Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. The older generation had a different mentality. You know, it was like, I can't wait to backpack through Europe and I can't wait to go eat in the stalls of Asia. You don't have to do that anymore. I'm Delia Colon and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Take a trip around the world without ever leaving Florida. Today's guest explains how our state's ethnic grocery stores are your passport to a world of flavors. When you think of Florida foods, what comes to mind? Maybe grouper sandwiches or key lime pie? But what about the spices of Little Haiti or the Greek flavors of Tarpon Springs? Chef Joe Isidori wants us to experience it all. The Michelin star chef hails from the Bronx, New York, where practically every cuisine on the planet is just a subway stop away. Joe also gives props to Florida for our diverse cuisine, and he says our state's ethnic grocery stores are home to some of the freshest, most exciting foods anywhere. Joe's love of global cooking is at the heart of his Mexican-inspired restaurant, Joe Toro Kitchen and Tequila Bar. We spoke last fall, just days before the restaurant's November opening in Tampa's Sparkman Wharf Dining and Entertainment Complex. And if you listen closely, you can hear the crew bustling around during our interview, putting on the finishing touches. Joe reminisces about the foods of his New York Italian childhood. He shares why Florida's food scene deserves respect, yes, even from New Yorkers. And he offers advice for navigating ethnic food markets. My name is uh, Joe Isidori. I'm a third-generation New York City chef. My grandmother was a chef. My father was a chef, professional chefs. And I'm a chef, and uh, I know how to cook. I like to cook, but even more so, I love to eat. And that's the best part, so. That is the best part. Third-generation New York chef. So what brings you to Florida? Well, I love Florida. I've actually worked in South Florida quite a bit throughout my career. I spent a lot of my early years in Miami. I worked for Chef Michael Schwartz for for years at Nemo Restaurant and Shoji Sushi and Big Tank and all those fun places. Um, That was probably when I was around 20 years old. And then, um, you know, I I, kind of did some stints all up and down the southeast coast of Florida. And and there was always jobs that I had that would allow me to work down here uh, in the winters. And then I uh, end up working up in New York in the summer so it was a lot of fun so i got a lot of love for florida my family lives in jupiter they all migrated down here you're like us typical new yorkers florida's got it so some people get florida bad rap like oh florida it's where people retire not really true come down here there's great diversity there's a great melting pot culture awesome farms i mean what, what's better than than you know all the stuff that comes out of homestead all the citrus that's up here and one of the most fascinating things I try to explain to people is whenever I go to a new area, I get off the plane and I say to myself, okay, take me to the Asian market, take me to the Latino market. To me, those two things are the heartbeats. And they, they are the ones that are people that are cooking food and using flavors that are you know somewhat indigenous to their way of culture. But all of those people 
take those flavors and weave them in to whatever's in their backyard. And to me, that is just the most fascinating thing because it's never the same. Whether you show up in Las Vegas and, and it's a predominantly um, Mexican and believe it or not, Vietnamese, Filipino culture, they have their own twang of food. And, and I'm finding that in Florida now with the mix of Latino and, and some Asian populations. And, and um, you know, between Tampa, especially in Orlando, I'm, I'm finding a lot of that. We've incorporated that frame of mind as my bird. That's my version of local. Um, into Joe Toro and Joe Toro, you know, it's got your Mexican vibe, but at the end of the day, it's got Joe's food, which is food that, that will take you down culinary journey, probably more geared towards, uh, you know, East LA or Austin style Tex-Mex. But I, I kind of throw in a little Korean barbecue here, a little Vietnamese steak there, and it gives it a little bit more interesting flavor. So we're not on the nose as your typical, you know, rice and beans kind of joint. Make sense? It does make sense. And I'm so happy to hear you have love for Florida and Florida food because it's not just grouper sandwiches and key lime pie. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You being I, a new, I, I know, right? What else do you need? You being a New Yorker, a lot of people think that New York is the center of the universe and it is pretty great. <laughs> but what have you come to appreciate? about Florida's food scene in terms of the way those flavors and cultures express themselves. You talked about how um, someone from a uh, Latin background might use, say, a mango differently than someone from an Asian background. What are some things you've tried here in Florida that you've fallen in love with? Actually, you know what? A cocktail is a good way to describe it. So we have this cocktail on the menu. It's called a pineapple mango nada, right? So a mango nada is like a spiked mango slush, right? And it's very, very typical in, in Mexican cuisine, you know, parts of like uh, that California, Mexico coast, you find them in East LA a lot or throughout Southern California. And they're basically, you know, like what a frozen margarita is to typical restaurants, a mango nada is to those people. I said to myself, well, mangoes, you know, are, are a great indigenous thing to, to Florida and this cocktail is great. So what I did was I created a pineapple mango nada, you know, so to kind of give it that Floribian feel, if you would. And then I added some rum and some tequila to it. And how I incorporated, you know, like uh, that that vibe was, is I used these spices called tajin, T-A-J-I-N, which is like a chili lime salt. And then I added some chamoy to it, which is a, a Mexican snack sauce that they, you know, sometimes you'll see like um, in New York, I see it a lot, like you'll see the Latina ladies selling these bags of fresh cut mango in this little cup of red sauce with the fresh lime and, and some seasoned salt. Well, that's all tajin, chamoy, and all that stuff. So they love to take fresh mango, season it with tajin, squeeze some lime in it, and dip it into this chamoy. And I said, well, I want to turn that into a cocktail. And that's what I did. So it's kind of like, you know, something that I love about Florida, which is you know, the, the Floribian mango. And I always want to eat a mango when I come down here. I remember when I lived in Miami, having mango trees in the backyard. It was like when I grew up in New York, I had an apple tree in the backyard. Now I got a mango tree. And I just took that kind of simple approach and made something that I felt was, you know, conducive to a Mexican, a traditional Mexican cuisine. But I made it more Tampa, more Florida. And I gave it a little bit of my own twist that sounds really refreshing anything mango is always going to be a good time what's your family background and what kind of food did you grow up eating oh i'm i'm a big fat loud italian guy from new york our family's from the bronx 
you know, we are, you know, the house of meatballs, lasagna, ravioli, managot, sausage, you name it. You know, we had all that stuff growing up. And my parents and my grandparents all operated Italian restaurants throughout the New York City area, you know, red sauce joints. So for me, it was, you know, chicken parmesan and all that fun stuff. So from a very young age, I was in the kitchen, probably five years old. I remember one of my first memories is five years old, standing on a milk crate, Sending out, you know, every plate gets a side of pasta. I'd send out a side of pasta. I'd hit the bell and I'd yell at the waitress, come on, pick up. My father looked at me, hey, take it easy. You're only five years old. <laughs> but, you know, um, but, you know, that's how I grew up. And, and my dad used to tell me all the time because I was like, oh, I want to cook fancy food. And he was like, you don't need to cook fancy food. This is the kind of food that pays the bills. Because back then, being a chef wasn't glamorous. It was just, hey, look, this is what we do. You didn't walk into a room with your chest up in the air and say, I was a chef. You know, this is just how we paid the bills. And, you know, had a nice car in the driveway. And he would always tell me, chicken parmesan pays the bills. Don't forget that, Joseph. And, uh, you know, I went on in life, went to culinary school and won Michelin stars and all these other awards. And he would always say to me, you know, hey, Joseph, remember the chicken parm pays the bills. You know, unfortunately, you know, a little while back, my dad actually passed away and, and he passed away in his kitchen doing what he loves to do, cook. But it always reminded me that um, I don't care if you got foie gras, oysters and Michelin stars don't mean nothing uh, if you're not paying the bills or most importantly not making people happy and what the wisdom was back then that i learned was it wasn't just chicken farm that pays the bills it was chicken farm makes people happy so cook food that makes people happy so every time i open a restaurant now i think about what's my chicken farm here and here at joe toro the chicken farm is i like to say the enchiladas i love enchiladas everyone loves enchiladas there's cheese on them there's sauce on them there's meat inside there's beans inside they make everyone happy so my chicken parmesan and Joe Toro are enchiladas. And coincidentally, when I was a kid, well, not a kid, uh, late teens, early 20s, my father would say, let's go to the let's go to the local Mexican restaurant. You know, and that's how he used to talk. He was a big, big, burly guy. We would always go and we'd get two things. We'd get enchiladas and we'd get big, giant golden margaritas, which is like a like a Cadillac margarita, but it had Grand Marnier in it. And he used to make him feel so fancy. Oh, we got Grand Marnier in it. So, but at the end of the day, that made him happy. That made me happy. So we're serving that same kind of food here at Joe Toro to make everybody else happy. And that's proverbially my chicken farm at Joe Toro. Wow. What a great memory and life lesson. I'm sorry to hear about your dad passing, but I bet he would be smiling when he walked into your new restaurant, Joe Toro. Yeah, he's, he's, he's happy. He's happy. He was bigger in life then. He's just a, a legend now. So mm-hmm. still, still there. And we have it on the menu. We have it. My father's name was Artie. His name was Arthur. And uh, my partners and I, we were like, you know what? We're putting Artie's golden margarita on the menu for everyone to enjoy. And every time somebody orders enchiladas and has a golden margarita, it's a little nod up in the sky to my old man. Salute, as we say. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Being an Italian kid in the Bronx, I don't know if there were probably a lot of other Italian kids in the Bronx in your neighborhood, but what kind of food would you take in your lunchbox? Or like if a friend came over and you were having chicken parm for dinner, were you were you proud or were you kind of trying to hide it? Well, yeah, I grew, I grew up in this area called Yonkers, which is just, just uh, right next to the Bronx. But but it was all Italian kids. I hate to break the news to you. But but I used to go to school on Mondays and, you know, like some of the other kids that weren't Italian, they'd have a ham and cheese, a turkey sandwich, maybe peanut butter and jelly. I used to get the leftover meatballs from the pot of gravy, put it stuffed in between two pieces of bread. And everyone would look at me like, what's that? And then sometimes I'd come to school with a Nutella sandwich. And the kids thought I was the coolest thing in the world that I used to be able to eat chocolate for, for lunch. 
but, but all I wanted was a damn ham and cheese and my mother wouldn't give it to me. So I would tell my mother, I need, I'm really hungry, mom. Give me two Nutella sandwiches. She said, oh, no problem. I'll give you two. My son's a growing boy. And I go trade those suckers for ham and cheese sandwiches from the other kids. You know, the Irish kid used to have a ham and cheese. I had the chocolate sandwich. Hey, kid, give me a ham and cheese. I'll give you some chocolate. They loved it. So, you know, that's what it was like growing up in, uh, you know, Italian household with my lunchbox. I do remember one time I went to school and it was like this kid who came into the neighborhood. His family must have came from Japan and uh, they must have came here for work and they were in our neighborhood. And the kid opened up his lunchbox and he had sushi in there, like a big rice ball. He didn't really speak English. And I remember going up to him going, hey, 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 come on. Let me get some of that. I got some chocolate <laughs> for you. Italian kids always had, you know, in their lunchbox pastries, Nutella, meatballs. Tupperware of pasta it was never never the normal bag of chips, ham and cheese in my house. Man, if I could have gone to school with you, we could have done some deals. <laughs> I was a hustler back then too. So now earlier you said when you get off a plane, you always look for the Asian market and the Latin market, and then what do you do from there? What tips do you have for those of us who are visiting other places? You walk in, and where do you start? Yeah, so. So you always look for the ethnic food markets, not just Latino or Asian. You know, there's great Middle Eastern markets and, you know, whatever the flavor of vibe is, you know, there. So I'll find some, you know, like I said, like a Middle Eastern market, a Latino market, an Asian market. What you'll notice is is um, in the produce sections of those areas, they'll have some local products in there because they're very much into eating local because they want fresh and You'll find local seafood. You'll find local produce. So you'll get the vibe. Then from there, after you found the markets and you got a vibe of what the you know, more the, the immigrant culture is, is doing, which excites me the most. You then start to look into what local flavors are. Like we talked about mango earlier, you know, that's the most on the nose thing, but like, you know, jackfruit, mangoes in Florida, you know, and you'll find people growing great tomatoes here. And, and, and because of the climate and the weather is great produce, you start finding local farms. I, you know, obviously I try to find some local citrus. So you'll take these things and put them together like a puzzle. You got the, you got the ethnic food markets, you got the local flavors that everyone's accustomed to. And then you find your local producers or, or farmers, excuse me. And then now you really have something that you can work with. And then the next step is, 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 our, is our local ranches around, you know, raising great heritage pigs or grass-fed beef. And then the next step is because we're on water, it's like, all right, what fish are coming out of these waters? You know, porvina, jackfish, this or that. And then I know it's a little long-winded, but then you find local producers. There's always artisans making great honey, great vinegars, great this and that. Now you've got a plethora of things in front of you that can inspire, and you start putting your dishes together. So to kind of close the loop, like think about uh, a great pan-roasted piece of corvina served over, you know, a corn and tomato succotash that I found from a local farm here. And maybe I saute that with some Chinese black bean that I found in a market, finished with some cilantro and maybe like a, a lime butter sauce or something of that nature. Now, all of those things kind of, you know, reflect on what I just said. And I made a dish from that. Kind of just pulled that out of the air. But it's to give you an example of if you do your homework and you follow the path, that's what you end up with. And it's not like, you know, some whiz dish that I came up with. I came up with that dish because those are the ingredients that I found in front of me after I did my homework. And you can keep going more and more and more and more once you understand how to, how to work with a, a menu of goods like that. That sounds really fun. And of course, Florida has so many of those, you know, cultural or ethnic enclaves to explore. You've got Tarpon Springs in Pinellas County. You've got Little Vietnam. I don't know if it's still called Little Vietnam in Orlando. You've obviously got Little Havana and Little Haiti in Miami area. So there's tons to explore there. 
with the popularity of vacation rental sites like Airbnb and VRBO, it's easy because you actually have a kitchen if you're visiting a place. Oh, so yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, you can actually get those raw ingredients and have some fun in the kitchen. Now, what do you think it does to a person's impression of a city or a state when they explore this way? Well, you know, look, you always have different types of travelers. There's the leisure traveler who's just looking for some R&R and wants to go somewhere and, and have a five-star experience. That's not the kind of person we're talking about. The kind of person we're talking about is someone who's looking for an experience, looking to find new things. So, you know, being able to, as you said, um, find some of those vacation rentals on Airbnb and submerse themselves maybe closer or within some of these little areas like we spoke about, it should invigorate them and open their eyes to, you know, there's a lot more out there in the history that's been weaved in and out of this country with all the years of people coming here. It's just, from to me, an amazing experience, makes an amazing vacation. And uh, if that's what people are looking for, they can find the gold mine worth of stuff uh, once they start to really travel and look around in the right places. Oh, for sure. And it makes you feel like you're part of the place and not just an outside observer. Yeah, yeah. I remember back in the day, you didn't really have that. The older generation had a different mentality. You know, it was like, I can't wait to backpack through Europe and I can't wait to go eat in the stalls of Asia. You don't have to do that anymore. And that's, you know, like people used to ask me when I was younger, oh, when you're a trained chef. Did you travel all over the world? I said, I don't have to travel all over the world. I got the five boroughs of Manhattan. I got every cuisine you can think of. I want Thai food. I go to Queens. I want Chinese food. I go, I go downtown. I want Italian food. I go to the Bronx. I want Greek food. I go to Astoria. And that's how I learn. You know, I'm a New Yorker. We improvise. We figure it out and we make it happen. And we do it with a whole bunch of, uh, whole bunch of flash and pizzazz and make people happy. Well, we're glad you're bringing some of that flash and pizzazz to Florida. All right. Well, Chef Joe, it was so much fun to talk to you and best wishes on the new restaurant. Thank you so much. Joe Isidori is the chef behind the Mexican-inspired restaurant Joe Toro Kitchen and Tequila Bar in Tampa. He shared his recipe for Mexico City grilled street corn from the Joe Toro menu, and the photo will make you drool, I promise you. You can check it out on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with help from Cheyenne Jaglal and Mark Hayes. Copyright 2021, WUSF Public Media. Music.